0: Have you ever heard it said of someone that they look through uh, they look at the world through rose-tinted spectacles? In other words, they look at things in life not as we think they really are, but with an over-favorably optimistic view of uh, reality. Uh, here's an example of an optimistic lawyer taken from uh, a real transcript the lawyer is questioning the doctor who's a witness on the witness stand doctor before you performed the post-mortem did you check for a pulse no did you check for blood pressure no did you check for breathing no so then doctor is it possible that the patient was alive when you began the post-mortem no how can you be so sure doctor Because the patient's brain was in a jar on my desk, replied the witness. But could the patient, insisted the lawyer, nevertheless still have been alive when you began the post-mortem? Yes, said the doctor, it is possible that he was still alive and practicing law somewhere in the world. Some people are just incredibly optimistic about life's circumstances. And that's maybe why one company that sells Batman costumes found it necessary to put on the label, caution. Cape does not enable wearers to fly. (laughs) Canna Products found it necessary to put that on. Why such optimism? So how do you see the world? Do you look through rose-tinted spectacles... Or are you at the other end of the spectrum? Do you look through uh, spectacles that are kind of negative and dark and uh, you're peering your way through? We all have a way of looking at reality. We all look through glasses that help us make sense of the world around us. We call it our world view, the way we see things, the way we order them and make sense of them in our lives. James Sire in his book, The Universe Next Door, talks about uh, these glasses, this worldview, as a set of presuppositions that sometimes we're we're conscious of and sometimes we're, we're not so conscious of them. But we use them to help us understand, make sense, build up our basic makeup of the world. You have one and I have one. We all wear glasses of one kind or another and they act like a filter through which everything that happens to us and the things that we hear and the things that we understand get filtered in order to help us make sense of them. But what if the glasses that you're wearing, what if the glasses that I'm wearing are faulty in some way? And so the way I'm looking at the world is is not as it really is because the lens through which I'm seeing everything is crooked or broken or twisted or torn. Then maybe I'm seeing things that are broken that aren't. And maybe I'm seeing things that look okay that actually are broken. Have you ever seen a 3D film? Well, you haven't, actually, because there's no such thing as a 3D film. You may have gone and seen a 2D film with those little glasses, you know, red and green, that look really stupid. And, uh, 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 and what it does is that it tricks you into thinking that what you're watching is actually in 3D. It tricks you into thinking that what is actually two-dimensional on a screen is coming out of that screen and heading towards you, be a shark or a whale or whatever it might uh, be the glasses through which you were looking at the film convinced you of a reality that wasn't actually true. So a question. Like the 3D film experience, do things appear true or real to us even when they are not because the glasses we are wearing, because of the worldview that we have, is crooked or faulty in some way? The answer, of course, is yes. Think for a moment with me about our past experiences and how our past experiences uh, help build this worldview, these glasses through which we look at life. I talked to lots of people, and lots of people that I talk to have had fathers that were strict and demanding. Now, if you had a father like that, that was strict and demanding, uh, someone that, that however much you tried and however hard you worked, you, you, you never really felt his approval, then it will have been very easy for you in life to have taken that experience and the way that it affected you and made you feel And very easy for you now, even as an adult, to find yourself assuming that all authority figures are somehow like that, strict and demanding. And maybe your natural bent is to think of God like that, as strict and demanding. And however much you try and however hard you work, you are not sure that you will gain his approval. And so people have come to believe something about God that just isn't true. The Bible says that God is slow to anger and abounding in love, that his burden is is light, not heavy, that he is loving and forgiving, not burdensome and demanding. But sometimes we think God is like that because of the way we've come to view the world. It's not just past experiences that create our worldview, but all that goes on around us. There are many factors that come together to create these glasses through which we look at the world. And so... Around the world, there are lots of different ways of viewing life, of making sense of everything. Uh, A typically non-Western way of making sense of the world is animism. It's not just uh, preliterate or tribal societies that would ascribe to animism, but it's also present in modern societies and amongst well-educated people around the world. Most animists, for example, believe that there is a creator God, but that he's distant and that he's far away and that he doesn't really play a very significant part in our daily life. But more importantly, animists believe that there is a power Like electricity, is is my best analogy, is a power that runs through everything, be it animal or vegetable or mineral. And this power that runs through everything in the universe needs to be controlled. And in the same way that you and I use electricity, we switch on a switch, the light comes on, plug something in and it works... The same way that you and I use electricity as a power, you and I also recognize that electricity can be very dangerous and needs to be handled carefully. And so if we are doing something that is complex with something electrical, we will, I hope, call in an electrician to do that for us. Animists believe the same thing about this power that runs through the whole of the universe. If handled badly, it can be quite dangerous. So sometimes you need to call in the specialist which is called the shaman, or more commonly known as the witch doctor, or the medicine man. He's the expert in dealing with this power, so if you're having some kind of issue with it, you go to him or to her, but it's usually a him, and uh, with the necessary words and manipulation, he will sort it out for you. Now that kind of belief is found in all parts of the world, even today. Even people... That- to hold on to one of the, the great religions. In Thailand, for example, where Buddhism is, uh, is the dominant religion, uh, a university professor said that amongst all the intellectual people that he knows in that country, all of them would be animists and sign up to this kind of worldview, this life philosophy. In fact, he said the president of his university would regularly consult the spirits, the powers, before making any decision. And this kind of New Age thinking isn't something that just happens far away uh, overseas, but it's very much now uh, part of our Western world. In France, for example, there are more magical healers than there are medical doctors. Uh, There are more witches in our country than there are clergymen and women. This New Age is very much part of our own age. And so people have a way of looking at the world. These people are looking at the world in a particular way. Let's come back to home and something that's much more familiar with us. The way we in the West have generally looked at and viewed the world, the modern worldview as it's called. Now, uh, if you've been brought up in, uh, in the West and you are my age and above, this will have been your dominant worldview. If you are younger than me, and I'm not telling you how old I am, if you are younger than me, then you are more likely to be influenced by something that we'll call postmodern in a moment. You tell me as you leave whether you're older or younger. So, this worldview first. If you're my age and above, this will have been your dominant worldview. Uh, and it's still very much around today. It did have God as part of its focus. In fact, still today in our country, 70% of people will say that they believe in God. But that's only part of the story. Because what's happened in our Western worldview is that we've divided the natural and the supernatural, and we've separated them. That's not good. So we've, we've separated these two things, And because we separated them, what's happened is that the spiritual, the supernatural world is kind of over there somewhere, and the natural world is over here somewhere, and increasingly as time has gone by, we said that the supernatural world over here is increasingly distant from us, and what matters more and more is the physical world that we can see. So while 70% of people profess that they believe in God, which is uh, absolutely fine, the majority of people, the majority of people think that God, even if he exists, is now so irrelevant, the supernatural bit is so far away as to be as good as totally out of the picture for ordinary living day by day. Totally out of the picture. And that's how most people live. That even if the back of their minds, even if you stop them in in the street and you put a a, a microphone under their nose and you say, hey, do you believe in God? Most people say yes, but actually, do they think that he's close or involved or near or make any difference whatsoever in their lives? The answer is no. In fact, almost the most irrelevant institution in our country is the church. People see no point in it whatsoever. And shame on us when we give them reason to feel that uh, way. So the supernatural, realm wow. we've separated it right out from our natural world. And that's the kind of world in which we live, where the only things that really matter are the things that we can measure, see, and prove. A certain university professor said to his class, has anyone seen God, kind of mockingly? Has anyone heard God mocking a bit more? Has anyone touched God almost with an with a, with a audible laugh? Therefore he said... God doesn't exist. QED, God doesn't exist because he cannot be seen, he cannot be heard, and he cannot be touched. One of his students got up and said, has anyone seen the professor's brain? Has anyone touched the professor's brain? Has anyone heard the professor's brain? The professor's brain doesn't exist. And so we live with this worldview, this Western worldview, where we have separated anything supernatural and made it so irrelevant that all that matters now is the here and the now, the physical, the things that we can touch. And even the church has been influenced. Why will you find ministers today that have got rid of the virgin birth and they've got rid of the resurrection and they've got rid of the miracles and they've got rid of all that supernatural stuff? Why? Because they think it doesn't relate anymore to this world. And so they've gone the same way. And that's why in today's world you can find ministers that believe uh, 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 almost nothing, because they've tried to appeal to this Western worldview. But what's the point? What's the point? But then, if you're sort of younger than me, uh, you will have been much more affected by what's come, become known as the postmodern, the after-modern world view. And, uh, what's happening is that the Western worldview is in decline, and this postmodern worldview is rising pretty fast. And essentially, at its heart, uh, is the thinking, uh, from a philosopher named Nietzsche of the last century. And he said, and this kind of just sums it up, there are many kinds of eyes, and consequently, there are many kinds of truths, and consequently, there is no truth. What he was saying, and what's caught on in our own culture, in our own day, is that truth is whatever you make it, whatever you want it to be. Don't worry about what anyone else has told you it should be. Don't worry about conforming to a, a Western worldview, or a non-Western worldview, or any other person's worldview. You make it up, and if you feel good about how, what it says and how it makes you feel, then that is just as true, just as true, as what the next person has to say. And so truth comes down to individual perspective. It's not something that we, that's that something from above given to us, but something that comes from within inside each of us. And if truth is, is, is my truth and your truth is your truth, and, and I'm a human being and you're a human being, and neither of us are superior to one another, we're all human beings, then your truth is just as good as my truth, and my truth is no better or no worse than your truth. And so we're increasingly living in an age where you cannot say that there is something that's true and that your truth, your idea, your worldview is not as good as somebody else's. That's why in today's society people that hold strong convictions are being lambasted all of the time because people say, well, what's the point in having a strong conviction? Why are you getting so uppity about your truth? Just shut up, will you? Your truth is no better than my truth and it's no better than their truth either. All our truths are equal. Let's let everyone be. And what's happening is that your truth is becoming synonymous with who you are as a person. So if I criticize your truth, culture says that I'm criticizing you as a person. And that's what's causing all the offense in today's culture. And so the huge pressure to let everyone be. You go with your truth, I'll go with my truth. You live your way, I'll live my way. There is no right way, they're all right. Every way is right. How dare you criticize someone else for their right. If you think this is not the world you live in, you're probably a lot older than me. But many of you will understand the pressure that we're talking about here. That there is no right, because it's all right. And if it's all right, then nothing's wrong. And if nothing's wrong, why dare you tell me that I'm wrong? And you're right, and so on and so forth. And it's why Christians are are under huge pressure today to sell out on what we fundamentally believe. It's absolutely fine to say, I'm a Christian and I believe this and somebody else believes that and there is no difference between this and that. They're all just the same. The only problem with that is that Jesus said, I am the way. That's just a little problem, which is a massive problem. I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one accesses God except through me. Huge pressure to sell out because the one thing you cannot do in this postmodern world, the one absolute, if you like, the one truth that everybody's buying into is that there is no truth. So you cannot say that you have the truth over and above somebody else. All truth claims are equal. How scary is that? Especially when you think of all the weird and wacky things people believe. I don't know about you, but we can be guilty uh, of thinking, or I can be guilty perhaps of thinking, that, uh, that weird beliefs are always confined to different cultures and to different places. An article published by the BBC just recently reads like, like this, and it makes a, a very powerful point. Are Africans more superstitious than other people? I would say no, all humans are superstitious. When Christians all over the world keep crosses, images of Virgin Mary or pray to the saints, believing that can bring any improvement in life, it's superstition. When Hindus take a bath in a dirty sacred river to get cleansed of impurities or worship cows, it's superstition. When Chinese have to consult a fortune teller for marriages, exams, travel, etc., that is superstition. This is just a very short list of stupid things people do outside Africa. The developing world hardly has a monopoly on strange beliefs and superstition. Have you ever avoided stepping on a crack on the pavement? Ah, Have you signed up to the Centre for Cracks in Pavements? There is an institution that's done research into pavement cracks. And their research says that 25% of people polled thought that stepping on a crack posed some kind of danger. 1% thought you would end up marrying the devil and a couple thought as children you get sucked down into the underworld by stepping on a crack. Be very careful as you walk home. According to a Gallup poll, a leading Western nation, a census taken, and this was in 1990, so uh, these figures I'm sure could be increased now, 22% of adults believe that aliens have landed on the earth, 52% believe in astrology and 42% believe in communication with the dead. And then there's loads of stuff. What do you get if you find a four-leaf clover? Do you? Do you really get good luck if you find a four-leaf clover? Do you have to arrange your furniture in the room in a certain way for the energy, animism, to flow? When was the last time you touched wood? Do you know why you touch wood? You touch wood because the belief was that the spirits lived in wood. And by knocking on the wood, you would enable a spirit to come out and to help you in a particular moment of crisis. How many of you are nervous about the number 13? How many of you wouldn't buy a house that was number 13? How many of you live in a house number thirteen? Line up afterwards and we'll pray for you. How many of you live in a street where the number thirteen has been missed out? There is no thirteen Bramley Chase for that very reason. Would you walk under a ladder on your way home? Or would you be careful what you plan on Friday the thirteenth? Are all truth claims equally valid? It makes no sense, does it? Oh, was that just me? Just me. We're going to this very dangerous place of saying what you think and what I think, what anybody else thinks, all the same. How can it be all the same? How can it really be all the same? The Bible says, no. No. The Bible says it's not all the same, that there is a word that is above every other word, that there is truth that is above all human truth, and that's God's word and God himself. And logic tells us that that must be the case. Consider the most important question, what happens to you when you die? The ultimate reality, when all this stuff's stripped away and we face our end, what happens? Hinduism teaches that when the soul dies, it's reincarnated into another form. Christianity teaches that the soul and then the resurrection of the body either spends eternity with God in heaven or without God in a place called hell. Atheists believe that we have no soul and therefore when we die, nothing happens whatsoever. Postmodernism says, make up, believe what you want and whatever you believe will come true. How weird is that? How can that possibly be the case? It's either true or it isn't. And whatever is true, um, I guess that when we die, we will know the same thing will happen to all of us, whatever we have come to believe. Just because we believe it doesn't make it true. And just because we say it's not true doesn't make it false either. Logic says that we'll all have the same experience. There must be real truth something that's above everything else. And I guess there's nobody here who wants our lives just to be a toss in the wind. I guess there's nobody here who really, at the end of the day, wants their life to count for nothing. We all want our lives to count. And so deep within each of us is that search that if there is real truth, then I want to find it. And so I'm saying to you this morning that truth is hugely important. And it's hugely important whether you're a Christian, and it's hugely important whether you're not a Christian yet. Because who wants to go through the whole of our lives and discover at the end of it all, we were on the wrong track? Who wants to give up all our energy climbing to the top of the ladder and then discover it's against the wrong wall? Now if you're here this morning and you're not yet a Christian, I want to say honestly truth really matters. What's really true about who you are and who I am, where we've come from and where we're going really matters. I just want to say to you that for me and for millions of others around the world like me, the search for truth came to an end outside a Middle Eastern cave that was used as a grave, a tomb. You see, 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus caused quite a stir. He caused a stir because the natural world obeyed his voice. When he said to the wind and the waves, stop, they did. He caused quite a stir because the spiritual world also obeyed his voice. When he called the demons out, out they came. He caused quite a stir because he loved people in a way that others didn't. He caused quite a stir because he told people that he was the Son of God and that he was the way. He was the way, the only way to father God. And the religious people couldn't hack it. It was too hard a message. A bit like today, too hard a message. And they nailed him to a cross for his message. But he had said, the truth of the pudding will be this. The truth about whether my words are true will be what happens after I die. He said, three days later, I'll come back from the dead. And the early followers and thousands, and tens of thousands, and millions of people since, have come to discover that three days later he came back, and validated that of which he spoke. If you are not a Christian yet, all I would say is search for truth, and begin with Jesus. Why? Because he is the only person who's ever claimed to be the only way to God, He's the only person ever to stake his own resurrection on that claim. He's the only person that people across the entire world have come to see as the man who came back from the dead. If you hang around our church community, we'd love to help you in different ways. If you're not normally uh, here with us, go on to our website under the section What Do Christians Believe? You'll find loads of stuff there about Jesus. About Jesus. got to suss what's really true. It matters too much to put it off. And hey, if you're a Christian, beware of pick and mix, won't you? Beware of having all kinds of beliefs, all kinds of truths going on in your world that just can't be true if Jesus is true. The story about missionaries that went to an East African country And they shared the gospel and and an indigenous church grew up and it was all very exciting. And the missionaries were planning to leave and hand over leadership of the new congregation to the local people. And there were two kind of uh, men, as it happened, contending for the, the, the leadership of this church community. And one went and consulted the witch doctor in order to get a charm to help his success in that election. What was he saying? He was saying I'm not sure about the power of God but I still really believe in that witch doctor and are there some things like that in our lives I do believe in God hey but I really believe in this too I really believe in the horoscope that I read or I'm still touching wood or I'm still uncertain about numbers and pavement cracks and I'm still trusting in medicines and remedies that have their roots in eastern philosophies and I'm still trusting in money material things rather than what God is saying and I'm still trusting in myself and in all those self-help techniques that I can read in all the books that there are we absorb so much from the world around us is his truth alive and established in you Maybe there's something this morning that God would put his finger on and say, you cannot trust in that if you're trusting in me.